professional wrestling is the one true sport. Other sports have their share of intense, dramatic moments, but nothing can compare with professional wrestling. Welcome to Wrestling History X, where two friends get together and talk about the story behind the matches. I'm Matt. And I'm Michael. Welcome to episode 41, Royal Rumble 1990. Every man for himself. That was me trying to do Vince, because that's how Vince opens the show. That was, right? Kind it was of, a decent it wasn't, impression. It wasn't good. I don't, I'm not an impression guy, but I think trying is funny, at the very least. Try it, or try not. Are you going to Yoda me? Yoda! <laughs> no, stop. Yoda! Stop. Stop. I haven't Stop. watched Mandalorian either. Me neither. So. I'm so tired of that stupid fucking baby Yoda. Yes, it's cute. Yes, I don't care. I'm tired of the memes. Yes. Uh, but you know what? Today is in 1990. Royal Rumble 1990 was the third annual Royal Rumble produced no. by the WWF. It took place but... on January 21st, <gasps> yeah. 1990, which would have made Michael exactly... Three years old. I was so scared you were going to forget that it was it my was birthday. It was his birthday. It was. You know what? Did you have a Royal Rumble theme party? I don't remember it at all. Not one bit. I do have my... Uh, Should we call your mom right now and be like, hey? What happened? She'd be like, I don't know. My mom was an amazing mother. I think she probably forgot all of it at this point. She like did way too much. She was like, I was like, how did you do all that stuff? She was like, honestly, I don't know. Because she was like soccer coach she was even like a like boy scout troop leader she went hardcore yeah yeah it's like ugh, i can't ECW world champion right there yeah, no shit it's like was she, i can't imagine her doing it without using cocaine but i didn't want to ask her <laughs> <laughs> well, then she, then she really <laughs> no no she didn't definitely didn't do drugs otherwise she probably wouldn't be able to keep that you know day job that she also had 40 hours a week but no like i do have right behind me my Hulk Hogan buddy. But I don't know when I got that. I do remember the situation in which that I got it, but I don't know what year that would have been. I imagine I was older than three. I imagine it was like probably five or six. I don't know the year on the buddies, on the like Tyco buddy. I remember the commercials pretty well, so I don't remember anything from being You're three. definitely not going to remember that at year three. No, no, no. So it wasn't Royal Rumble themed. It was probably baby themed. Probably. Yeah, cake theme. If you actually had a birthday party. Yeah, it's like, I don't know, when you're three, you don't have any friends. It's whoever lives on the street, and you're because nobody had cell phones, so you're just like, it's oh. It's whoever your parents' friends are. Yeah, yeah, which I like, my best friend when I was a kid lived across the street, because my mom was like, oh, like, you know, we're friends. We both have kids around the same time. Playdates. Yeah, exactly. Shout out James, wherever you are. Wherever you are. He's in California somewhere. Anyway, where were we? you. <laughs> But the Royal Rumble was held at the Orlando Arena, mm-hmm. obviously in Orlando, Florida. Yeah. I mean, the name kind of gives it away there. This is uh, NW- WCW territory. It's not even, it's not really NWA tor- territory at this point. Florida Florida kind of has been both of them. Like. Yeah, but it becomes WCW in the, like, a couple years from now because they shot on the Disney lot or whatever. That's true. And then it becomes Impact era. Oh yeah, yeah, and well, and now I guess it's just a, and now I guess it's just NXT. NXT runs out of Orlando now, so, yep. but not at the Orlando Arena. No, but the attendance for the show was sixteen thousand people. It's a lot of people. It's a lot of people. Mm. 
Sometimes I think about going places and I'm like, there's going to be 5,000 people there. Do I really want to go? <laughs> 16,000 is a lot of people. Sometimes I'm like, oh, there's going to be more than me there? Oh, uh, yeah. But other things that happened around Royal Rumble 1990, Tremors would be released the same weekend. Did you hear my excitement? I did hear your excitement. Do you know how I feel about this movie? I assume that you love it. I think that this movie is perfect. Holds up extremely well. There's only one scene in the whole movie that does not hold up very well. And it's just a cutaway. And it's just a effects issue. It has nothing to do with the actual film. Because this movie is fucking incredible. Like this is like a movie people laugh about because all the sequels are trash. Because none of them have Kevin Bacon. And it's not even that. They're just they're just not very good. This movie is good. You could have put somebody that's half of the actor as Kevin Bacon, which sometimes is Kevin Bacon. <laughs> but it's like it's kind of like Gremlins, where it's like on paper, eye roll, but then you watch it and you're like, oh no, this is incredible. Yeah. And I think this movie is, and uh, I'm a huge Gremlins fan, huge Gremlins two fan. I think this movie is less flawed than Gremlins. Right. I think this movie is like almost, you know, the like four dummies books. Yeah. I think this movie is basically like screenwriting, screenplay for dummies. It's just like fucking perfect. Everything that sh- everything they start pays off. You should watch it twice. Don't watch any of the sequels. Or if you do, you know, watch them with a friend. They're not fun alone. You can at least laugh at it. Like they decreasingly get worse. Supposedly, I watched like the first. The second one's not as good as the first one, but it's. <laughs> Not nowhere good. near. It's not. I, I, but horrible. I said that I just said the first one was almost a perfect movie. The third one, the second even one worse. Is nowhere near. Fourth one's even worse. But then you get to like six or seven, and I know that they just the made a new one like within the last year or so. Family Ties Dad, um, that was in the first one. Guy with the hat. I can't. Oh, well, he's in all of them. Though, like the the no, I no, think no. He, he went away for a few. Well, this is, now we're getting. A little abstract, but the the militant guy is in all of them. After like the first movie, he's the one that shows up. The guy oh, that's is he like the main character, the gun guy. He becomes like the main guy for all of them. After that, I swear someone came back for the last one. It might have been Kevin Bacon's buddy, who I can't remember that actor's name, but I do like him, and he has an interesting face uh, for somebody that has been acting for a long time, like that shows up and stuff. I guess they made a TV show. Oh yeah, I think they did with the Critters too, which is. I heard the Critters show was pretty Which bad. Kevin Bacon showed back up for... It wasn't Critters, the TV show. Yeah, Michael Gross. Let me see the face. He's the Family Ties dad. Oh, okay. He's, he's not in the first movie. Yeah, he is. But the new one, that it, it finds him. He's dying from poison and his son. But I don't think he's in any We're going to cut ones. most of this. Still funny. This is Tremors Talk with Mike and Matt. Tremors 1 is a masterpiece. Tremors 2 through question marks... Michael, Whatever you want. Michael Gross was in the second one. Was he in the third? For, for, you're thinking Fred Ward. Fred Ward. Uh, Fred Ward's the guy I'm thinking of. That's like, like. But no, I guess great. Michael Gross was in. But the the, the, the guy that becomes the the main character is the the gun nut from the first one. Yeah, that is Michael Gross. What? That's Michael Gross. Okay, yeah. what's Fred Ward is the guy? Yeah. Yeah, Fred Ward's in the second one, but he doesn't really do much. Yeah. But the first movie, incredible. The only scene I'm talking about is a, just a. It doesn't. It's not that it's actually bad. It just doesn't hold up effects-wise. And it's not necessary enough to 
like be in the movie. If you're out there, if you could cut it out of the film and then uh, Google Drive it to me, Tremors will be a 110% in the Rotten Tomatoes of my mind. <laughs> the other thing that happened around Royal Rumble 1990, the song How Am I Supposed to Live Without You by Michael Bolton See number one on the charts. I see this, I hear this, but I don't know if I know the song. Because I think... Like, how do I live without you? Is that the song? But that's sung by a lady, right? He wrote it. Oh, okay. But who's... For a young lady to sing, and it became a number one hit then. And then... But then he recorded it himself for his album. For the Evita soundtrack. That's not true. And it became another number one hit once again. Because, like, so, like, how am I supposed to live without you is his version, but... How Do I Live Without You is the song that I have in my head, but that's the same song as what you're telling me? Because supposed to and do. And in the same time, this song was the number one song on the Billboard charts. Okay. By Michael Bolton. All right. We're going to get pulled off YouTube, but the good thing is we're not on YouTube. So uh, I'm going to try to listen to the song, but I realized that I was thinking of the Leanne Rhymes song, which I think is pretty good. Leanne Rhymes is pretty good. But I'm waiting for this chorus to see if I know the song. This is bad radio. I'm kind of enjoying this. It's like it's kind of like Rod Stewart, but it's a little less annoying. Like his voice. Leanne Rhymes did it better. <laughs> what can I say? It's too many, too many, uh, too many like syllables for the chorus. There's no hook. This is like the hallmark version of uh, of like of like uh, of like clean porno music. It's like lady porno music. You don't know what you're talking about, bro. You like that song? It's a great song. Is it from a movie? Is it from Top Gun? So. I don't like Top Gun. I think it's just Michael Bolton being Michael Bolton. You're a Top Gun guy, right? Oh, I love Ugh. Top Gun. Are we gonna see Maverick together and then afterwards add its argument to the feed? Sure, why not? Let's do it. Mm-hmm. But let's go ahead and get on to our wrestling show. <laughs> yes, yes we should. Vince McMahon with narration over the logo of Royal Rumble. It's time to... <laughs> I can't do it. Rumble. And videos of the participants show up. Mm-hmm. And we get Tony Schiavone and Jesse Ventura welcoming us to the show. <sighs> Tony slowly gets better. I miss Gorilla. He'll be back soon. Uh, I say Ventura must have gone to Disney because he has mouse ears and a Mickey shirt on. Yeah, and they talk about Disney a bunch, and I think they even bleep some of the stuff out because they're like, "Oh, we ain't got Disney." I and I was thinking because because like Disney just recently became this like extra big monopoly, and I'm thinking that like maybe that they like went back while I was watching the show. I thought like they went back like six months ago and added these beeps in. <laughs> is how I had it in my head. Because you know that happens. There's sometimes that the WWF logo is blurred. There's sometimes where like you know, we all, all of us that have that have the network know that watching old shows gets weird, and some things get edited, and some things don't. And so we go off to our first match: mm-hmm. the fabulous Rajos of Jacques and Raymond Ooh. with Jimmy Hart versus the Bushwhackers. Oh, you know what the Bushwhackers get that I don't like? Cheers. Yes, they get a fucking pop. Because they're the baby faces. I know, but I hate them. But the Bushwhackers are Luke and Butch. Mm-hmm. 
Everybody's in the ring. And Raymond asks for a handshake, but throws a cheap shot to start the match. Butch tosses Raymond to the ropes, misses a clothesline, and Rajot locks on a sleeper. But Butch counters by knocking Raymond into the turnbuckle. Butch starts biting Raymond and the ref. Luke comes in for a double clothesline on Raymond, looks to hit the battering ram on Jacques, but the Rajots slip out to the floor. Do you think that we should do a like hot tag or and new for ref bites or ref because that's the only thing that's going to make me potentially like the Bushwhackers or pay attention to their matches? Ref, ref bite? bite? <laughs> yeah, I said bump. I couldn't even do it. But uh, I do like uh, Jesse Ventura uh, is, of course, talking shit on the Rajots. Of course, but he but says they are all American boys. He, well, he he's he says that they're is that they're, the best thing about the Rujos? What their theme song? No, I like the Rujos. I think they're good. I I would prefer that they were killer bees. I don't think that they suck. I like them. Uh, but Jesse says that they're Tony Schiavone. I think calls them like immigrants or whatever. And Jesse Ventura, which I thought was pretty weird, considering we know how history has uh, worked. But he says <laughs> they're immigrants. Most of America is immigrants. And I was like, oh. <laughs> this is like this is the the most like reasonable thing that, that Jesse Ventura has ever said, and I kind of loved it because it was like off brand but on brand at the time. Jacques and Luke are trading blows until the bushwhacker starts biting him. Luke then misses a ducking Jacques with a clothesline, but follows through to hit Raymond off the apron. Butch comes into the ring and clotheslines Jacques from behind, and then Jacques is calling the bush bush. The Bushwhackers. I got you, fam. Chicken for hitting him from behind, allowing Raymond to come in to clothesline Luke from behind. All these, uh, like, Pearl Pearl Harbor lines. Clotheslines from behind, man. That's, that's rough. The Rougeau's choking with a tag rope, a savat kick by Raymond, an Irish whip into the turnbuckle, and tosses Luke to the floor. Jacques then throws Luke against the apron on the floor before rolling him back in. Butch is getting close to his corner, so Raymond hits Butch off the apron to stop the tag. Jacques with the jumping back elbow, double team rubber band slam by the Rajos. I like I like the double team rubber band slam. Ab stretch of death by Jacques, grabbing the hands of Raymond for leverage. Raymond with a body slam. Jacques goes for a splash, but Luke gets his knees up and mm. makes his way to the corner for the hot, hot tag. tag. Boo. Butch in with punches. Kicks, knee lifts, all four men are brawling. The Bushwhackers Irish whip the Rajos into each other. The Bushwhackers look to go for the battering ram, but Jimmy Hart grabs Luke's foot, causing him to stumble. Butch then you, hits Jimmy. Jacques with a clothesline instead, and Luke has pulled Hart into the ring. Mm. So Jimmy Hart is going like this right now. This is me shaking my arms, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And yell, nah, lots of words. They're very high-pitched. The Bushwhackers look to put the hurt on Jimmy when the Rajos come in with stereo dropkicks. Hell yeah. Jacques rolls up Butch with a small package for a near fall. And then Raymond applies the Boston Crab. And Jacques goes for the running knee drop. But Luke grabs his leg to trip him up. Raymond releases the hold, helps his brother up, only for the Bushwhackers to hit them with the battering ram where Butch covers Jacques for the pin and, and the, the win. win. At least the Rougeau's lost in a moderately sympathetic way. But, I mean, I I have this internal question. Who do I dislike more? The Bushwhackers. Or Hacksaw. The Bushwhackers. Oh, no, I like I like the Rougeau's. 
I hope so compared to the Bushwhackers. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, obviously. Like I hate their stupid their stupid arm thing. I hate that they get the love. I hate that the I hate the biting, especially as baby faces. It makes no sense to me. So post match, the ref, Danny Davis. Mm. Dangerous. Dangerous Danny, Danny Davis. Davis. He's back to being a ref. He's a fucking threat. He gets his face licked by the Bushwhackers. Oh, I felt bad for him. I was like, oh, that sucks, dude. And sad note. Maybe they bought him a drink later that night. This would be the Rajos' <gasps> last pay-per-view match as a tag team together. Oh, okay. Okay, okay. That's something. Uh, and I believe it's uh, Raymond's last match. Okay. He Does he die or just go somewhere else? He just retires. He didn't He's like, getting old. Nothing tragic. They don't look old. These guys look fine. He he retires. Oh, okay. And Jacques. Hey, we'll, see, we'll see Jacques again. Yeah, yeah. But, uh. Something else. Yeah, yeah. It'll be fun. It'll be fun to reveal later. But I miss I miss my bees, but I like the Rougeaus. Rougeaus were always fun. We, the Rougeaus... We've, we've always been fans of the The Rougeaus are like a little bit less energetic than the bees, but they're pretty decent, understandable heels. They're not over the top. Anyway, let's go. We go to the back. Mean Gene's there with Ted DiBiase and Virgil. Mm-hmm. And Gene accuses... Maybe Million Dollar Man didn't actually draw number 30 last year, but DiBiase disputes that. And my first thought was, continuity! Yes, I love it. Uh, you know who is the best at continuity? Jesse Ventura. But we'll get to that later. Okay. Gene tells us that the WWF president, Jack Tunney, had added security to enforce that the number drawn was the number that they had come out with What does Jack year? Tunney look like? Where, when are we going to get a Jack Tunney... Mattel Elite. <laughs> it's just an empty box. DiBiase lets Gene know that Virgil drew the number for him and asks him about it. A million dollar man tells him to shut up. And then Gene asks what number he drew and we find out that DiBiase drew number one. Hell yeah. That's fun. It's good. It's good storytelling. It's good. They really do sprinkle through the show. So we're off to our second match. The genius... Versus Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Lamb, lamb, or I can't even talk. Lame Lenny Poffo. So there's actually a little bit of a story behind this match. Mm -hmm. The genius had won a match versus Hogan. That didn't happen. By countout. Okay. After Perfect had nailed Hulk with the title belt. Okay, it's not a perfect plex because we have to no-sell that. Brutus would then enact revenge for his... Brother. Hmm, yes. His brother, Hulk Hogan. And that's where we get this match. You, they obviously use the same tanner. So first off, the genius recites a poem. Oh, do you have that written down? And as always... Oh, you have it? We just skip I think, the poem. Thank you. I think that the best thing about the genius is probably his teeth. He has very nice teeth. Very nice teeth. <laughs> They're very good teeth. So the match starts, and genius gets caught in the corner. So he escapes to the outside... And does a cartwheel. Yes, that was nice. I was like, damn, I didn't know he was actually athletic because he doesn't fucking do anything in the ring. Brutus then mocks the genius's attitude, doing his little arm wave. Yeah, yeah. Genius finally takes control with an eye rake until Beefcake hits an inverted atomic drop. Another eye rake, genius with punches, kicks, slams the barber's head into the turnbuckle, and Irish whips him to the opposite corner, charges in with a drop kick, Brutus moves. We get a test of strength that Beefcake handily wins, crotches the genius as he tries to escape out of the ring. 
We get headbutts, shoulder tackles in the corner. The genius tosses the barber to the ropes, ducks his head, allowing Brutus to kick him. Not very smart, genius. Man, like, decent gimmick if somebody, if the man could talk. If he could do anything. Yes, you need somebody that's, like, convincing, convincingly, like, intelligent. And they probably are better off if they're not a big guy. Like, Zack Sabre Jr. in... Doing something like, like, not now, but like somebody that's thin like him that has a different ability that's basically, you know, and he can talk. Yeah. It's like, and he's also, he's an intelligent guy. So it all works. But Lanny is, uh, like I said, lame. And I don't mean that as uh, in boring, but his brain. The genius with a drop kick for a near fall. Forearm smashes across the neck. A body slam goes to the second rope for an axe handle. But Brutus catches him in the gut. Beefcake with a body slam stomps on the genius's head, locks on the barber's chair, but genius elbows his way out of it, reverses it into a headlock, which Brutus escapes by pushing him towards the ropes, where the genius knocks the ref out of the ring. Oh, what's that called? Ref bump. The genius tosses Beefcake to the ropes, but Brutus reverses it and locks on the barber's chair once again. Beefcake has him out on the map, but there's no ref. Brutus does some strutting, goes for the scissors on the outside, and starts chopping away until Mr. Perfect comes running out to the ring. Perfect starts attacking the barber and hits the perfect plex. Mm. And the bell rings. Post-match, Perfect grabs a chair and hits Beefcake right in the ribs multiple times. Oh yeah, it's good. The other refs come out to get Perfect and Genius out of the ring. Did you know Shane McMahon was one of the refs? I did not. And the official announcement comes that it is a double DQ. Why is it a double DQ? Save the genius? I guess. Fuck, I don't know, man. Brutus didn't do anything to the ref. It was all the genius. Yeah, it's pretty crazy that uh, Brutus was uh, this little on the card. Deservedly so, <laughs> in hindsight. I definitely don't want that match any higher on the card. No, no, I don't either. So we're back in the back. Sean Mooney is there with the Heenan family. Mm-hmm. Of Andre the Giant, Haku, and Rick Rude, who only gets more cut. And by cut, I mean, holy shit, this guy is lean. Lean and mean looking every time. Haku and Andre the Giant are the tag team champs? Are they? They had the belts. <sighs> so they had just won them on an episode of Superstars over Demolition. Like a couple weeks before the show. It's like, I was going to say, did they do that to Demolition because of the Rumble? But it's like, oh, wait. Spoiler alert, Demolition's, no, nobody in Demolition's winning the fucking Rumble. <laughs> Spoiler alert, Andre the Giant is in the Royal Rumble. Yeah, these everybody's in the Royal Rumble here. Heenan says it's not every man for himself. It's every family for themselves. Mm. And Mooney starts dissension among the family, bringing up that they could possibly have to face each other in the Royal Rumble. Oh my gosh! In a in an everyone versus everyone match where everyone shows up, but we might have to hit each the other. The family's gonna be for themselves. Matt, if we were both the last two guys, I would just double DQ. I would throw you out of the ring. Oh well, then I take it back. I'm getting that <laughs> win, bro. I'm the Hulk Hogan of this group. <laughs> Are you? You can be the Macho. Cue the Derringer. What would your Derringer be? All real American. Oh, you you would use not not Derringer, but like what would your your Hulk song that gets played every fucking pay per view be? Oh, be this might be a question for some other time. I, <laughs> I might have to ruminate on this one. Actually, our uh, one of our 
bumper music mm-hmm. that we've played the last couple weeks. Yeah. One of those would probably be my... Or Machine Head by Bush. Oh, okay. Weird. It has a fucking cool opening yeah. riff. Riff, yeah, stuff. yeah. I don't know what mine would be. I'll think about it and maybe maybe uh, exit the show with it's it. It's a conversation I've had many times with different people. I mean, I know my, that my, my like regular... Mine would either be Borderline by Madonna or um, I'll save it for later. So from Borderline, me being a baby face, I would pivot to having enough. I've had enough. I've had too much of everybody's shit. I've been a good guy for too long. It's time to try the other hand. The other, the other, uh, flip the pancake. We burnt this side. Pantera is a new level. Of confidence and power. That's a pretty good riff as yeah, well. It's very, it's very good. My song I could use for both Babyface yeah, or you. Yeah, you could. It's super universal. It very much Mine is. are not poor opposites. They are. But they're both songs that, opposites. like, that's, like, top three Madonna songs for me. Probably my favorite. And then, like, that's favorite Pantera song, even though it's not my favorite Pantera record. But, like, in a vacuum, favorite Pantera song. We then get the ad for WrestleMania six. We do, and we're going to Canada, I think. We're going to Canada. Ah. Oh Canada. I hope that Brett Hart wins. I don't know. I don't know exactly what happened. I know that's not happening. We're not there yet. Not there yet. No. So we're off to our third match. We got Greg the Hammer Valentine <sighs> with Jimmy Hart versus Rugged Ronnie Garvin. In a submission match? Yeah, Greg the Hammer Valentine, the smallest face in wrestling. I'll agree with that one. This is kind of cool. This has been going on for a while. It's kind of like understated. The story behind this match has been going on for quite some time. <laughs> like maybe three years at this point. Who knows? So Valentine had defeated Garvin in a retirement match. And so Ronnie would go, go on to perform duties such as referee. Yes, we saw that. Which we saw. A how, ring announcer, mm-hmm. which we saw. How impartial was he? Very not partial yeah, at all. He was, yeah, yeah. He was very partial. But he always seemed to be a thorn in the hammer side. Mm-hmm. So Valentine requested the A Garvin... nail in the hammer side. <laughs> sorry. You I'm write sorry. this better than I do. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> so Valentine requested Garvin to be reinstated for them to have this match. He'd had enough. This is kind of like, it's kind of like the, uh, like the cage. It's like, oh, like we can't finish this like men surround ourselves in steel. And he was like, hey, this guy won't leave me the fuck alone. So I'm going to make him so, submit. So, so, yeah, so I'm going to, so we're going to fight. We're going to fight for real in front of people and find out uh, what the deal is. So everybody's out in the ring and Valentine starts complaining about Garvin wearing a brace on his leg. But he has one as well. But the hammer wears one as well. And he has been for a while. And what does he wear it for? To increase the hurt on the figure four? Exactly. It's just like, it's basically like strengthening, it's like strengthening your, your shin or whatever. Exactly. For the, yeah, it's like, it's more, it's more, uh, less, that piece of metal or whatever is less forgiving than your shin, so it's going to hurt more. Jimmy Hart directs Valentine for them to leave ringside, but Ronnie catches up with them delivering hands of stone before rolling them into the ring. Garvin knocks the hammer down, goes for a cover, but the ref has to remind him that there are no pinfalls. Dummy. Like, what's the deal? Come on, guys. It was your idea. Head slams into the turnbuckle by Ronnie, but Valentine retaliates with a low blow. The two men trade chops before Garvin knocks the hammer down again with a big right hand. 
And the match has turned into a bit of a boxing match until yes. Valentine, with an eye poke and hits an elbow drop, goes for a second one, but Rugged Ronnie moves. The hammer then hits a low blow headbutt, Ooh. and he goes for a cover. Dude, so what's come on, guys? Submission match, guys. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, was like I was like, what are you wasting our time here for? The two men trading blows again until Garvin with a jumping headbutt that puts both men on the mat. Rugged Ronnie looks to hit a pile driver, but Valentine reverses it into a back body drop. That's too early for a pile driver. Which Garvin tries to turn into a sunset flip, mm. but the hammer stays up and punches down. Uh, is that always good? It's always good. It's always good. He then sits on Ronnie for another pin, which allows Garvin to roll Valentine over for a pin attempt of his own. Did we forget to it, tell these guys? Well, I think I think that like the stipulation was. I could see like I think it'd be really smart if they did like the pin attempts early on, and they're like, oh, this is just like obviously it's natural for them to do that because they're wrestlers. But then for him to do like the like roll up or whatever to get out of that move because it's like a natural way to get out of the move. But instead of actually going for the pin, like roll out of it, stand up, and then I don't know, like a drop kick or like a bow or something. That would be really nice. I will say that that the covers mm-hmm. like if you want to go for one, and that's when you go, hey, yeah, there's no covers. Remember, yeah. it's a submission match. If you want to do one, fine. I think if each but guy now, does now we've hit like three each. At yeah, this yeah. Point. No, I agree with you, but I think that maybe it like maybe they are thinking the same way I, I am, where I'm like, oh, it's like a natural thing for us to do. But like if they acted that out afterwards where they like get up and they like shake their head and are disappointed in themselves and like get down to business like and then use later on use like the roll-up attempt or a sunset just to get out of a situation but not use it for an actual pin just like pop up instead of i think that could be cool hammers tossed to the ropes the two men bump heads to put them both on the mat we've already got like five headbutts valentine tries for a figure four but is kicked off into the turnbuckle by garvin and Ronnie again tries for a pinfall. You can't try a figure four without working the knee, son. Big chop by the hammer, multiple falling fists, again goes for the figure four. But Garvin is basically no-selling it, smiling away, and mocking Valentine. Uh, his his Greg Valentine ever smiled in his whole life? Not as big as he did right at this point. <laughs> no, Valentine? Yeah. Oh, oh no, 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 Garvin. Garvin. I was going to say, has Valentine ever smiled? Oh, no. No, with a mouth, with a mouth that small. You can, you can only stay impartial. Valentine puts Garvin into a Canadian backbreaker rack, but is unable to lock the hands and hits an elbow drop. Goes for the figure four again, but is kicked away by Ronnie. Garvin with chops, hands a stone, starts working on the leg with an Indian deathlock mm. until a hammer escapes by reaching the ropes. Valentine rolls to the outside, drags Ronnie to the outside, where the two men start trading blows. And Garvin goes for a pile driver, but again the hammer reverses it into a back body drop. Back of the ring, Valentine with shoulder tackles. He goes for an Irish whip, but Ronnie reverses, charges in with a drop kick, but gets caught up in a tree of woe in the corner. Uh, I, I don't think they've called it a tree of woe, but at this point in wrestling... I th- I think I Tony called it a tree of woe here. Did he? Yeah. Okay. But yeah, it's like the tree of woe. It's like, what do you call it? It's the tree of woe. The hammer's working away on Garvin until the ref finally gets Ronnie unhooked from the ropes. And again, the two men bump heads while running the ropes, putting them down on the mat, with Garvin landing near the ropes, 
where Jimmy Hart takes his leg brace off of him. Jimmy Hart actually doing something uh, worth anything? Oh, uh, yeah, I mean, not just babbling. This is a very, like, NWA match. I mean, these two guys are very NWA. Minus, minus the blood, and I really appreciate it. Also, uh, there's uh, Jesse Ventura says that the crowd is, like, coming to their feet. Almost. It's like, oh, he says they're coming. The, the crowd is almost coming to their feet. It's like, they're not standing, guy. And I, I honestly think that this match is very good. I, I agree completely. But it's just like, it's like, dude, we are watching the show. I can see, like, at least, you know, the first, you know, 15 rows from any angle. Yeah. So it was, just, it was really funny. Valentine with a backbreaker. He locks on the figure four, and Garvin is in pain until Ronnie is able to turn it over to reverse the pain, causing the hammer to grab the ropes, which allows him to reverse it back but eventually has to break the hold. Garvin tries to stand, but he just crumples over, allowing Valentine to continue to work on the leg. Hell yeah, Valley. The hammer goes for another figure four, but Ronnie blocks it by pulling Valentine into an inside cradle pin mm. attempt. I think that if you just use that to roll out, it'd be fine. But no pins, fam. Like, if he just rolled through it and did another move, that would be really great. But, you know, these guys are bulky guys. They're not, you know, they're not Guerreros. They're not killer bees. Multiple right hands. The hammer goes to the top rope, but Garvin, even on one leg, is able to get up to press slam Valentine to the mat. <sighs> yeah. Very NW, very early NWA still. Rugged Ronnie unties the leg brace that the hammer had on, and Garvin, with a big right hand, sends Valentine to the ropes, which he gets tangled up in. Jimmy Hart jumps on the apron to get him untangled, while Rugged Ronnie picks up the leg brace. Jimmy Hart did two things. Garvin then sees Hart, yanks him into the ring, and begins to stalk him. But the hammer has become untangled behind them. And he grabs Ronnie's leg brace and goes for the attack from behind. But Garvin turns in time, nailing Valentine with his own leg brace. <sighs> Rugged Ronnie then locks on the reverse figure four, a.k.a. the sharpshooter. Yeah, yeah. And forces Valentine to submit. I wish it went the other way. You wish Valentine won? Yeah. I like Valentine. Garvin is the one that got uh, retired and everything. So, I mean, I know, the, the, I know, I know. The I eventual get it. end of the story always was Garvin winning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, like, personal. This, this has nothing to do with being, like, a smart mark. I'm just saying, like, I would have liked because I like Valentine more. I like Valentine more as, as well. well. Yeah, yeah, that's all. It was just, it was just like, gut, gut feeling. And this match is, like, such a like C plus B minus and there's like just small tweaks that could have made it like a B plus or an A minus. So you're saying it'd probably only be like a if we were to do five a five star rating. Yeah, this is like this is like at least three three and a half. This was three, three and a half. It could have been four. If there wasn't as many pinfalls, I probably would have gone four. Yeah, and it and it honestly, uh if if it was worked as intelligently as uh, Flair in 89, it would be fucking over four. Four over. Exactly. But, like, I think that this... I'm going to show the cards. Is it okay if I show the cards? Show the cards. It's the best undercard match. Oh, definitely. definitely. <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, obviously... Yeah, it's like, I, yeah, I'm not really... I'm not really going out on a limb here. No, you were definitely not. We then go to the back. Mean Jean's there with Mr. Perfect. Mm-hmm. 
And Perfect says he's tired of Beefcake taking advantage of people once he puts them to sleep. Which is kind of a kind of a gnarly sentence. Like if you think about it, Mr. Perfect's just a noble hero. Saving people from haircuts. Yeah, from bad haircuts from shears. Exactly. And like we've seen Beef's cut. It's not good. It's very bad. He needs a barber himself. Yeah. Is he like Beef's haircut is a little bit better than uh is it Ricky Morton? He's got a real bad mullet. <laughs> he still has that. And but real there bad but mullet. there are people that have like nice mullets. Like the dynamic dynamic dudes. Like good good gun. looking mullets. Oh yeah, I'm not I know who Mike Gundy is, but I don't know what he looks like. We then find out that Perfect drew the perfect number of 30. Yes. And the rumble will be absolutely perfect. perfect. We then get the Brother Love Show. I love you. That was pretty okay, right? It was decent. Yeah, I'm trying. He brings out Queen Sensational Sherry. And Brother Love says he was looking through the Book of Love and he found the word peasant. Yes, he did. The definition is a woman with no class, no finesse, and no beauty. And Queen Sherry says they know a woman such as this. Mm-hmm. And Tony's talking shit on Sherry. Jesse, however, the little heel he is, you find something to love about her. And then they say there's a picture next to that definition. Mm-hmm. And they know, and that picture is of our next guest. <sighs> Sapphire. I hate, I hate this but i also love it so sherry we know we haven't seen sapphire before so, well we saw her at survivor series in oh, the crowd and yes yes only in the crowd but what has there been any but she's joined dusty Rhodes yeah, as yeah. his manager also wearing the polka dots also wearing the polka dots she's just a big fan of dusty Rhodes. yeah yeah but they've come but, together but to... basically she's like a larger black woman la- larger black woman and they just are shitting on her for not being conventionally attractive and that's the joke continue sherry and brother love are out there basically just railing in too hard almost it gets kind of uncomfortable yeah because sapphire's never getting a word in like they keep asking her a question like then brother love just he'll put them he'll put the mic and then like yeah and then pull it back real quick uh shivani keeps trying to talk which Mm -hmm. is him trying to help this train wreck of a segment yes but it makes it where you can't understand him mm-hmm. or what they're saying actually in the ring. Uh, we get more insults following, including calling her fat, saying she has to ride in the back of a truck when yeah. they're driving. I think that like Sherry and Brother Love are doing well here. It's just like just a not cool segment that's bad and just doesn't. It's not funny. But the thing is, is like the thing I will say about it. Back then, it probably was super funny. We're thirty years in the future. Yeah, but and even body shaming no, no. is not a cool. Well, no, thing. even even then, like I it's mean, not it's even not a cool thing then. Yeah, yeah but, but even then, like the the thing is, is like that the crowd is is against the heels. Exactly, and and it does pay off, but it's also just really doesn't. How does it? It doesn't pay off well enough for how long it, it does not. Sapphire finally grabs the mic and yells, "I've had about enough of it!" and slaps Sherry. So Macho King comes running into the ring and begins, begins to choke Sapphire. Is Macho the most convincing when attempting violence on a woman? I would say so. <laughs> It's really scary every time he does. It's like, I know it's going to be all right, but it always is just like, ooh. And that brings out Dusty Rhodes. To a pop. 
to a very good pop. Yes. Savage then with a double axe handle off the top rope to the outside. And he goes to pick up Dusty, but Sapphire's on the apron, and she climbs on Macho's back. Yes. Brother Love comes over and drags Sapphire off by her hair. No bad Brother Love. And then the refs finally come down, break up the melee, sending Savage to the back. But Brother Love grabs the mic and starts insulting Dusty some more. So Rhodes climbs into the ring and Love tries to escape, but the American Dream catches him and body slams him. Hell yes. Dusty then picks him up, holds him, allowing Sapphire to slap and it, Brother like, Love. It's, like I said, it does pay off. It goes on too long, but I'm glad that the audience is on the right side of it. Exactly. Which is nice, but I mean, it's kind of obvious. Like Brother Love is way too good of, at being a heel. And then we get some Rhodes and Sapphire doing some, doing some boogieing. Yeah, the dan- and the, the like the dancing. Everybody screams for it. It's great. It's great. It's like, like I said. It's like, like I said, it's not high. a great segment, but it does redeem itself. Is it better or worse than the Piper return segment? It's. I it's think it might. Close. I think it might technically. It's be better. The whole segment. If you take the whole segment side by side, side by not, side, not, by not cherry picking. Then this, this is, segment is, is, is better. better. Yes, yeah. If you take the Morton Downey Jr. stuff out, yeah, then that segment's better. Yeah, the other one is even longer, I think. It is. But just as far as like these long pay-per-view segments go, like that's kind of the one that pops in mind to compare it to. Anyway, we can probably move on from here, right? I hope so. Because we're going to go to the back, where Sean Mooney's there with Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Oh! Whoa! Hacksaw stutters to begin. I don't care what the boss man says. I don't care what he thinks. He's not talking to some young punk down at the convenience store. It's like, Hacksaw, your whole thing is like America and being the, you know, I mean, we can't say common man because Dusty was just out there. But like, how are you going to shit on the convenience store worker? Saw, Captain Saw. So we're off to our fourth match. That was just my hate for we got the big boss man with Slick versus Hacksaw Jim Duggan. And the two men start trading blows. Duggan with a clothesline and a shoulder tackle to send big boss man to the floor. Boss man grabs Hacksaw's boot to bring him to the outside where they continue to brawl until Duggan is posted. posted. Uh, I do like that Hacksaw has his 2x4 in his corner and they like use the camera to show before the match. Like He's got his thing here and then he's got his like nightstick and... Handcuffs in his good. corner, yeah. Bossman charges after Hacksaw on the outside, but Duggan moves, and Bossman goes flying into the ring post himself. Back in the ring, Bossman reverses an Irish whip, hits a splash in the corner, and goes for a big boot, which Hacksaw catches, mm-hmm. and Big Bossman hits an Insiguri. I know. And it, I watched it like three times, because I was like, what? Bossman getting good. It's not. It doesn't look that bad, right? Headbutts, elbows, back rakes, right hands, a leaping body guillotine. Bossman in control of the match. Big Bossman slams Duggan's head into the turnbuckle, which wakes him up, tosses Bossman to the ropes, but Hacksaw ducks his head, allowing Bossman to hit him with a double axe handle across the back. Duggan's tied up in the ropes, and Bossman's choking him. Slick joins in on the fun, but Hacksaw starts firing back, but Bossman hits a knee to the gut to stop the momentum. Big Bossman locks on a bear hug, but Duggan is trying to escape with ear claps to no avail, but finally does with multiple headbutts. 
Hacksaw with several clubbing forearms to fire up, hits a running clothesline to send Big Boss Man over the top rope to the floor. Back in the ring, the two men are trading more blows until Duggan goes for mounted punches in the corner, and then Irish whips Boss Man to the opposite corner, charges in, but Big Boss Man moves and delivers a clothesline of his own. Boss Man goes up to the top rope, but misses the splash Mm. as Hacksaw moves. Duggan's getting up next to the ropes when Slick climbs up on the apron, holding him for Big Boss Man to charge in. But Hacksaw moves at the last second to send Slick flying. Slick then hands the nightstick to Boss Man and begins to distract the ref while Big Boss Man attacks Duggan with it. But the ref turns to see it and calls for the bell. And Hacksaw Jim Duggan is our winner by DQ. Post-match, Hacksaw climbs back into the ring with his 2x4 Hits Boss Man across the back to send him to the floor. Duggan then grabs Slick, hits him across the ass with a 2x4. And then Boss Man throws multiple chairs into the ring. But Hacksaw just grabs one and sits down on it. Saying, yep. Come on in, brother. We get a big USA chant. And if there was a way for them just to do that, the last, the, like after the bell rang part. Yeah. You know, if it was just like a run-in or something. I mean, I don't know. I just didn't care about any of it. The best thing about it was that Boss Man looked better than he had had. Yeah, yeah, and I, I think that my like Duggan hate was lessened, but might have just been because of the Bushwhackers. There was a, a thing in here that I truly hate, which you did talk about the bear hug, but I hate it when the bear hug, ends up on the mat. It drives me insane, and I hate it. It's like whenever they're bear hug, like they're just, yeah. When the bear hug is like when somebody is. They start taking them to the mat. Yeah, it's horizontal, like in a bear hug on the mat. I don't think there's much that looks less good. Who's who's the little spoon? That's fine. I the cuddle. I would much prefer to see. Call it the cuddle. Yes, because it it looks like ass. Like it. Yeah, talk shit on the skull end, but Jesus, bear hug on the mat, potentially a least favorite move. We then get another ad for WrestleMania six. Mm-hmm. And then Shivani sends us to some pre-recorded comments from competitors in the Royal Rumble. I kind of missed the what was it WrestleMania five where they were really ominous, where it like had like a weird like sprinkle sound. Oh, yeah, yeah, and they would just th- sh- yeah shoot in there real good. It was fun. So we'll go through some of these comments. Dino Bravo wants Warrior, mm-hmm. and Earthquake says nobody is safe from me. Mm-hmm. Axe and Smash bring up that they were number one and number two last year. And how they beat the crap out of each other. But this year, they're taking it all. They, 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 are, are you? they can't take it all. Yeah. Bad News Brown, hope you got a big box of tissues because there will be a lot of wet eyes out here when you see your 29 spineless cockroaches that you call your heroes go down. Pretty good, Bad News. Just saying. Dusty says he's got to prove himself. Yeah. The Rockers, Hercules, the model Rick Martel, Tito Santana, Jimmy Superfly Snook, and Akeem all have promos that don't say anything <laughs> other than we're going to win, basically. But we're about to get to some true, some true gold. But then we get Ultimate Warrior. And I honestly, like, we've talked about the Warrior. I think I'm a fan now. <laughs> I feel like this I may think be, I'm a real fan now. This may be my favorite segment of this show, of... Of our show that we do now is, is the, the word for word retelling of Ultimate Warrior Pro. It's so like this is incredible. I watched it a couple times and like I think this might be better than the last one. 
He's so good. So here we go. Okay. If they refuse to understand that the power of the Ultimate Warrior has spread like a virus amongst the WWF, then let them continue to walk as normal as they seem. But if those 28 normal men want to have special attractions, such as the Royal Rumble, then you and I is the worst. The most powerful force in the WWF will continue to see it only as another challenge, only as another day of combat. 28 of those normal men stepped one on top of another. Can't come close to the feeling and the destinations from parts Parts unknown. unknown. You realize, as I do, that the 29th man, you, you, Hulk Hogan, walk with a different force field around you. Walk on horizons that are close to where I've been. But no one in the Royal Rumble shall form a team. Every man shall fight for what he feels is in himself. It's it's so good. Thank you, Matt, for suffering your throat through that. But we'll get another warrior later on that I think is even more abstract, I believe. It is very much even more abstract. Uh, but yeah, I don't care how stiff the warrior was in the ring. And he was very stiff from all reports. <laughs> from all reports, very stiff. No one's cutting promos with this kind of retarded genius. You can bleep the R word if you need to. <laughs> <laughs> we then go back to Shivani and Ventura. They preview the Royal Rumble match before sending it back to some more pre-recorded comments. I think I feel like he said purple force at some point, but maybe not. We get Macho King Randy Savage, and he says, I'm the one person you shouldn't bet against. Or go broke. Pretty good line. Yeah, yeah. Solid enough. Powers of Pain with Mr. Fuji. Heart Foundation. Honky Tonk Man. Basically, all say... Oh, uh, what do they say? That they're going to win? going to win. Are they going to win? I believe them. I don't believe them. Jake the Snake Roberts says... He actually had a... I thought he had a pretty good promo here. Oh, it's, this is great. Like... The man who wins mm-hmm. won't be the best wrestler. No. The best athlete. No. He will be the man who will do anything. Yes. The man who will take an extra step. Of course. Do just a little bit more than anybody else. That's how you win. Maybe sacrifice a little bit more than anybody else. For me, that sounds just a lot like me. Jake Roberts. I think this is the best promo I've seen of Jake so far. I think that I don't think there's any bad snake promos I've seen. Uh, this one is very good, and it's just so good. We Everybody always says it. It's like he doesn't, he talks like a person. Yeah. And that's that's important. Warrior, we love him for the opposite reason. Macho, we love him for a different reason. They're all unique to them, but Jake the Snake is extremely relatable. And that's, you know, extremely relatable, and those promos are intelligent. But, spoiler alert... He's probably not going to win the Rumble. Probably not. Then Hulk Hogan is our last last one, and he does his normal promo, but... Vitamins, prayers... prayers 24-inch pythons. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Have your mom send me 20 bucks a month, you know, to keep the Hulkster strong. But for all my Big Brother fans out there... Oh, you're a Big Brother guy. I've never watched it. He has a line here. Okay. The one thing that nobody realizes is that you have to expect the unexpected. That's their tagline. Expect uh, the unexpected. I'm more of a real world guy. If uh, real world's great too. If there was a, I don't know if it's on any streaming service, but if there was a it's streaming, 
Okay. Well, if the real world is on a streaming service, I would at least get it for a month and pound that shit because I like that shit. I agree. I've wanted to go back and watch those, but yeah. Oh, where do we come? Well, our next podcast will be Real World. Real World History X. Real World. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like yeah. That sounds pretty difficult. But our next match is the fifth match of the night, the Royal Rumble. This is what they, as in the crowd, came for. This is the titular match. This is half the show. This is half the show. Uh, do you yeah? We want to save it for later, or, or I guess we already talked about it. What was good in the first half? Yeah, we can save it. Yeah, we can, we can save talk it. about it. We are, everybody knows. So the rules of the Royal Rumble: mm-hmm. all competitors draw random numbers. Yes, sir. Two men start. Yes, sir. Every two minutes, a new competitor joins. Also, that to be eliminated, you have to be thrown over the top rope and onto the floor. Oh, okay. Onto the floor. Onto the floor. Where would you go from the top? Oh, the apron, duh. So our first person, which we already know, is the million-dollar man, Ted DiBiase, with Virgil. But he gets a good intro from the Fink. He does. He says, uh, last year, number 30, this year, number one. So that was cool. Even Fink throwing in a little stab. It It was good. And our second participant is... Coco beware with Frankie. <sighs> he kisses Frankie when he gets to, before he lets Frankie go. Bird flu, bro. Um, Don't do it. No. Kiss. If it's your bird, kiss your bird. Get your bird. Uh, get your bird tested. But no, it's it was very cute. So the two men start off. DiBiase attacks as the bell rings. Hits a back elbow. Stomps. Irish whips to the corner. Slamming Ware's head into the turnbuckle. But Coco keeps no selling. Yeah, he just no sells the hard head. But Coco's got a, such a good look, and he's really, really a great number two to start this, I feel like. Ware's firing back with drop kicks, headbutts, double fists. He rocks Million Dollar Man so that he's hanging on the ropes. And Coco charges in, but DiBiase hits a back body drop, sending Ware over the top rope to be eliminated. Our third participant's one half of the Rockers, Marty Jannetty. That's that drop kick, Marty Jannetty. As Marty comes into the ring, Million Dollar Man attacks him, tossed to the ropes, and comes back sliding between DiBiase's legs to deliver a dropkick. Times two. Janetti then Irish whips to the corner, charges in, but Million Dollar Man gets his boot up. Mm. DiBiase, with a clothesline, goes to the second rope for a double axe handle, but Marty catches him in the gut. Janetti, with a flying back elbow, goes for a roll-up, but Million Dollar Man holds onto the ropes. So Marty goes flying at him with a crossbody that DiBiase ducks, sending Janetti over the top rope to be eliminated. Ooh, but Janetti comes in hot, so, you know, it was cool. Nice to see you, bud. Number four, Jake the Snake Roberts. Hey, Jake gets such a big pop. It's going crazy. Ah. Again, Million Dollar Man attacks as Roberts attempts to get in the ring, and DiBiase rolls to the floor to hit a body slam on the outside. I know, it's so weird. It's like, oh, you have to go over the top. We know that, but it's just so weird to see anything on the outside. He locks on the million-dollar dream, but the snake rams DiBiase into the ring post to escape. Roberts takes the fight to the inside. Irish whip followed by a back body drop. A short arm clothesline sets up for the DDT. (sighs) Everybody's so fucking hot for it. But million-dollar man back body drops the snake. And after a missed elbow drop, DiBiase hits several shoulder tackles to the corner. Number five, Macho King Randy Savage with 
Queen Sensational Sherry. Savage is right in to attack Roberts from behind. The snake reverses an Irish whip, hitting a clothesline on Macho. And Roberts goes for a knee lift on DiBiase. But Million Dollar Man moves, and Savage is choking the snake. This is such a better rumble than previous rumble. Previous ones? Yeah, it's like it's just really well shot and really smartly put together. And I noticed it five guys in. I was like, oh yeah, it's always easy when there's two or three guys. But like, I was like, oh wait, they're actually fucking doing this. Yeah. Macho and DiBiase team up to hit Roberts with a second rope elbow drop and a top rope double axe handle. Number six, Rowdy Rowdy Piper. Uh, this is where, I don't know about you, but I, uh, I popped in my seat in my house. Did you pop a little bit? I popped a little bit. I wasn't. I didn't know we were going to get some Piper. Piper explodes on both Macho and Million Dollar Man as he enters. DiBiase with an eye rake, allowing an Irish whip in, which Piper ducks a double clothesline to give one of his own to the two men. All four men are brawling, Piper and Roberts back to back. They turn but see each other, so they turn back to continue brawling with Macho uh, and Million Dollar it's Man. It's such a good, funny spot. It's funny, and everyone's like, oh, we like these guys. And just... Yeah, they turn around like, oh, we're gonna throw. Oh, wait. It's like I'm not gonna hit you. Like we, we're good. We get it. Like all, if we, if we're both here at the end, like then it's on. But until then, like it's like this really intelligent alliance moment that makes extreme amounts of sense. Exactly. Because they're both kind of they're both loners and reasonable, so it's like it just works. We get an inverted atomic drop by the snake on DiBiase. Savage hits Piper from behind that looks to send Roddy over, but doesn't. Number seven, one half of the powers of pain, Warlord with Mr. Fuji. Warlord's throwing clubbing forearms and axe handle on Piper. Macho and Million Dollar Man have Roberts halfway over. Piper with the double noggin knocker on Savage and DiBiase. Number eight, one half of the Heart Foundation, Brett, Brett the, the Hitman hit Heart. How do you feel about P.O.P.? That's what I thought. They're just whatever. Macho's holding heart as Million Dollar Man comes in with the right hand, but Brett moves, forcing Savage to take the brunt of the blow. Warlord reverses an Irish whip by the hitman, charges in, and gets a boot for his troubles. Piper and Hart with a double clothesline on Warlord, and Roberts attempts to body slam DiBiase over the, over the top rope, but Million Dollar Man holds on. Number 9, Bad, Bad News Brown. Brown. Brown with a reverse chin lock on Hart. Short- Bad News Brown has no friends, by the way. Short arm clothesline by the snake on DiBiase. Sets up for the DDT again, but Savage clotheslines Roberts over the top rope to be eliminated. Ah, I was very bummed about this. But it's a Royal Rumble, so everybody gets bummed. Piper with a big right hand that sends Million Dollar Man dangling over the top rope until Macho comes over to save him. Number 10, the American Dream, Dusty Rhodes with Sapphire. Bionic elbows on Savage, a Back elbow, but Macho with an eye rake charges in, but his back body dropped over the top rope to be eliminated. Wait, Macho? Macho. Damn, that's early. Everybody's brawling around. Number 11, one half of the colossal connection, Andre the Giant with Bobby the Brain Heenan. Warlord goes right after Andre and the Giant headbutts and hip tosses him over the top to be eliminated. And Mr. Fuji jumps on the apron, but Heenan pulls him down, shoves Fuji, but runs away when Mr. Fuji attempts to hit the brain with his cane. The brain cane? 
Piper and Rhodes get a double noggin knocker from Andre, followed by shoulder blocks in the corner. Number 12, the Red Rooster. Caw-caw! Is that what a rooster does? Sure. What does a rooster sound like? Sounds good to me. Mm, it's like a horny hen, right? Because it's a male. Yeah, it's because it's a male. I mean, I guess, you know, hens get horny too. Bad news, Brown tosses Piper, who get, who goes halfway over the ropes, but holds on, comes back in to get a headbutt. There is a lot of, like, bigger guys, like, not large, but, like, more name-recognizable guys that, like, seriously, like, barely hang over the, the ropes throughout this match. It's one of these things, like, there's a lot going on, but this is an intel- intelligently put together. To the point where you can't even really talk about it. You just kind of have to take it in. We were talking about it, but it was easier to take notes this year for or for this. Show oh yeah, because it's because than it was for any of the other Royal Rumble so far. Because it's put together more intelligently. Yeah, like they talk. They obviously like put it together to where it makes sense, and it's for television. Yeah, and I think that that also probably works for an audience. Brown then goes for a clothesline, but Roddy backbody drops. Bad news over the top rope to be eliminated. But Brown jumps up on the apron, grabs Piper from behind to pull him over the top ah, rope to be eliminated. Bummed me out. And then Bad News and Roddy brawl their way back to the locker room with Shane McMahon trying to break it up. I still didn't catch it with Shane, but I did like that they, like, it was like, okay, we're going to, it was obviously, I mean, it's wrestling. It was obviously planned, but, like, they didn't, it wasn't just, like, call it in the ring. You can't just call a Royal Rumble in the ring. you got to make it, if it's going to be the name of the show, it's got to be the attraction and the show does that number 13 one half of demolition acts andre with another double noggin knocker this time to hitman and rooster the giant then tosses rooster over the top rope to be eliminated Uh axe is working over andre with forearms and chokes dusty comes over to help when they get the giant tangled up in the ropes allowing axe and Rhodes to start giving elbows to the top of the head Number 14, the other half of the Colossal Connection, Haku. Haku Haku goes right after Axe with forearms, headbutts, clotheslines, does the same to Dusty. DiBiase with a second rope Axe handle on Hart, Mm -hmm. and Andre sitting on Axe. Rhodes starts firing back with left-handed jabs, the Dusty roll roll to the double punch. Uh, Yes, on, on, on a Hawk. I love the Dusty roll. Number 15. The other half of Demolition, Smash. Smash joins Axe in double-teaming the Giant, but Haku breaks that up only to get a double-back elbow himself. Andre then hits a double-noggin knocker on Demolition. Number 16, Akeem, the African Dream. Which the, I feel like the re- earlier in the show when they talked about him, they just there's this whole show they just call him Akeem. They drop the African Dream part. Yeah, because... You have Dusty there, and so the gimmick was always making fun of Dusty. Yeah, I just wanted to add the African dream. Yeah, no, I, I kind of, I kind of low key love Akeem just because like he doesn't cut promos, say a word or anything, but just like his arm, his like arm Does movements. Little dancing. Yeah, and it's very silly, and I enjoy and it. And Slick is with him. Yes. Rhodes with a chop on the Hitman, which knocks him over the top rope to be eliminated. Can you believe? And we lived in a world. This is actually point in time on my birthday. Bret Hart got knocked out. I mean, I like Dusty. I love Dusty Rhodes as well. This is the only elimination that is not caught really, like, well by the cameras. No, I was pissed about it because I was like, wait, what? I actually, like, I kept watching for, like, another five minutes and I was like, 
Wait, wait where, where's where Brett? Well, I heard him and say so it, I and I literally... like, re- rewinded it, tried to see if I could catch it. Usually I don't rewind, but I was like, I have to rewind Uh-oh. it to find out. And so I, yeah, I actually had to go back. It's in the background, and yeah. you can see it, but you just don't see it because there's so much going on in front. It's a small price to pay for a probably the first good Royal Rumble. Demolition with the double clothesline on Andre to knock him down. A double shoulder tackle on Haku. Another double shoulder tackle, but on the Giant to send him over the top rope to be eliminated. So Haku and Demolition sent? Demolition sent Andre. Okay, I was like, Haku didn't send him over. He's part of the Union family. We then get an inverted atomic drop of Million Dollar Man on Smash. Number 17, Jimmy Superfly Snooker. Akeem headbutts Snooker starts to dance when Superfly comes off the ropes with a jumping axe handle to put the African Dream over the top rope to be eliminated. Bum, bum, bum. Was anybody sad about that? Probably not. <laughs> Snooker and Haku mom. with a double headbutt on Smash. DiBiase comes off the second rope with a double axe handle on the back of Dusty. Number 18. Well, it's funny when Snooker came out, I thought I heard booze, but there were people uh, uh, barking. It's probably snook. Yeah, yeah, but I was like, I heard booze, and I was like, oh, okay. And then I was like, oh, wait, no. Number 18, Dino Bravo with Jimmy Hart. Still the world's strongest man. Holy shit, Jesse, give it the fuck up, right? I mean, that's his gimmick. But for like six years. How long ago was that? It happened at the first Royal Rumble, didn't it? Bullshit. No, it was like three years ago. no, like the the the, the like the, the weightlifting thing was at the first Royal Rumble. Three years is too long for somebody to not get over. Snooker gives Bravo and Haku a double noggin knocker, double back elbow to Million Dollar Man by demolition. DiBiase throws Smash's head into the turnbuckle. Number nineteen, Canadian Earthquake. Starts stomping in the middle of the ring to create an earthquake. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, look, he creates an earthquake by stomping. He then clotheslines Dusty from behind to send him over the top rope to be eliminated. Axe is choking Earthquake when Earthquake just picks him up and body slams Axe over the top rope to be eliminated. Hell yeah, I'm a, I'm a Tenta fan only because of my sumo love. But maybe he'll surprise me. I mean, he's going to get to be a shark at some point in time. That's pretty cool. Number 20. The other half of the Hart Foundation, Jim the Anvil Nightheart. Who, in promos recently, has been getting more entertaining. <laughs> yeah, but it's less, it's less cringy, I'm saying. Like, he's getting better at playing that part. Not playing a different part, but that part better. Nightheart, Aku, and Smash all team up to work on the Earthquake. They call for more help, and so Snooka and DiBiase join to help push Earthquake over the top rope. To be eliminated. That's a lot for uh, Earthquake, but like, I mean, shit. Like, Snooka, Neidhart, and Haku. Like, that should be able to do it, right? Those are some, those are some strong boys. Anvil and Smash with a double team atomic drop on Million Dollar Man. Number 21, Ultimate Warrior. <sighs> I don't Warrior, know what to say. Warrior goes right after Bravo, tosses him to the ropes, but ducks his head, allowing Dino to kick and give an inverted atomic drop. That's the Warrior. Starts to sell. He has to at this point, right? He's 21. He's still got nine boys to go. Dino follows with a chop, but Warrior ducks and backbody drops Bravo over the top rope to be eliminated. World's strongest fucking butthole. Warrior tosses Snooka's head into a turnbuckle. 
Nightheart and Warrior having a chop party on DiBiase's chest. Number 22. Poor DiBiase's chest. <laughs> For real. <laughs> like ground the model, Rick Martel. Uh, Haku with a back body drop a smash over the top rope, but smash lands on the apron. But Haku follows with a savat kick to knock him to the floor to be eliminated. You know what's weird about uh, Rick Martel? As I was taking notes for this show, and they everybody does their promo before the Royal Rumble, yeah. Rick Martel was the only person that I could not remember the name of. <laughs> I was like, what is his fucking name? He's Tito Santana's, he's half of Strike Force. I like had it all in my head, but I could not remember his fucking name. Well, he definitely doesn't so, get like, over with So, like, yeah, in my notes it was like question mark, and I was like, ah. But I was like, um. And yeah, so it was really funny when he came out, and I was like, ah. Oh. How do I? I know his name. I like Strike Force. I like Tito. I've rooted for Tito against this guy. I've booed this man multiple times, and I still couldn't remember his name. Rick Martel, I, uh, I hope you're healthy and happy out there. But you are more forgettable than Akeem. That's saying a lot. That you're more forgettable than Bad News. That's pretty fucked up. And you were part of Strike Force, who I've like, legitimately am a fan of. Anvil reverses an Irish whip from Martel, following with a clothesline to send the model over the rope, but he lands on the apron and able to roll back into the ring. Number 23. See, he keeps hanging on. As if he was a member of Strike Force or something. Tito Santana. Ah. Tito goes right after Martel, slamming his head into the turnbuckle ten times. Oh, we get the full ten. That's pretty impressive. Gets him over the top rope, but the model slinks his way back into the ring. He's this, is this the beginning of the of the like bullshit rumble uh, saves? Pretty is, much. Is, is, is Rick the model Martel? There's there's people who He's are the per- model for it all. There's he is the model for it all. We need a we need a soundboard. <laughs> yeah. There's potentially wrestlers in the WWF that don't know who Rick Martel is. Probably. <laughs> I would say that there's a lot of them that don't know who that is. And he was the model for, uh, for this thing they might have to do in a Royal Rumble. Warrior then with a clothesline on Haku. Santana comes off the second rope with an axe handle, but Martel catches him in the gut. Chico's now his name his... is Tito. You can't catch me. He's getting his head slammed into the turnbuckle by the model. I will not let it go. DiBiase is being worked on by Nightheart and Snooka, so Virgil distracts the ref and helps keep Million Dollar Man in the ring. Number 24, Honky Tonk Man. Hell yeah. Colonel Jimmy Hart. Warrior and Nightheart are working on Martel, but Warrior ends up getting the anvil over the top rope to be eliminated. Boom. Warrior then reverses an Irish whip, followed by a clothesline to send D.B. Aussie over the top rope to be eliminated. That's, like, kind of a lot, right? I mean, D.B. Aussie's... Granted, D.B. Aussie's been around for a whole... Been in this match for a long time. 44 minutes and 47 seconds. The new record for longevity in the Royal Rumble. This, uh... This is, like, half the show. Yeah. But it is the best half of the show. The model then hits a double noggin knocker on Haku and Chico. Number twenty-five. Hulk Hogan. No, no. Let's get him out of here. Hogan reverses an Irish whip. Is there any way I can use like an eraser on these digital notes? I doubt it. Hogan reverses an Irish whip, followed by a clothesline to send Superfly over to be eliminated. Hulk then tosses Haku to the corner, followed by a back elbow and a big boot to send Haku Uh. over the top rope. 
Santana body slams Martel over the top rope to the apron, but then Warrior pushes Tito over as well, but only Santana lands on the floor to be eliminated. You mean Rick pushes Rick over as well? Santana body slammed uh, Martel mm-hmm. over, but Martel's now on the apron. Yes. Tito's still in the ring. Yes. Warrior then comes from behind and is trying to push both of them. Mm. Tito's the one that goes, goes flying over, over the rope and, and Rick to the rolls floor. into the ring. And then Rick rolls back into the ring. Uh, you know what I think about that? It sucks. It does suck. Honky Tonk Man choking Hogan with his own shirt attempts to tie the shirt around the turnbuckle. That's pretty fun. I thought it was a fun spot. Yeah, totally. Number 26, the other half of the Rockers, Shawn Michaels. We love you, Shawn. I'll see you soon. Hulk and Warrior, Irish Whip, Honky, and Martell into each other. And then Hogan tosses Honky Tonk Man over to be eliminated. Warrior with a pair of forearms on Michaels and then tosses him out of the ring to be eliminated. Uh, Michaels got less of a chance to do a spot than Marty. If I remember correct, it was... 12 seconds. Really? That's it? I don't like, I was like, I think at least Marty Jenny got a drop kick in. Warrior follows by tossing Martel over to be eliminated as well. Hulk and Warrior stand in the ring, staring each other down, getting in each other's face, no selling shoulder tackles by each man. Each man's running the ropes, and Warrior ducks a clothesline and returns for both men to hit a clothesline for a double KO spot. Who do you think, whose neck hurts more in this moment? Yes, of course it does. Number 27, the other half of the powers of pain, the the barbarian. barbarian. Multiple elbow drops to both Hogan, Warrior, a big boot to Hulk. Ravishing Rick Rude slides in. I guess he's number 28 because there wasn't a countdown. My my theory is that uh, the show was running long and they pushed him out. It was either that or they were trying to do a heel thing where he's like, he cheated and came out early. But they're like, well, what the fuck are we going to do? There's 30 guys. But my whole, my, my while I was watching the show, my thought was, oh, they're short on time, but everybody knows their cue for when that guy shows up, like what yeah. motions to go through. Rude with a drop kick on Warrior. The Ravishing One and Barbarian have Hogan up on the ropes when Warrior makes the save. The two men start teaming up on Warrior and Hogan hits a double clothesline on Barbarian and Rude, but it ends up knocking Warrior out to the floor to be eliminated. Are so you, who are is... You, are you needing me to explain that? No, no, I get it. Oh. I'm just saying, wait, what? So Warrior doesn't win. Warrior jumps back in the ring, clotheslines to both Barbarian and Rude before heading back to the locker room. Yeah, he's a wild man. Number 29. As Tony Schiavone tells us, he's a wild man. And uh, Jesse Ventura informs us that he's an idiot, which maybe he is, but he's an idiot savant, Jesse. Number 29, Hercules. Hercules with right hand sends Barbarian and the Ravishing One into big boots by Hulk. Hogan with a body slam of Barbarian, multiple elbow drops, and a clothesline. Barbarian's been around for so long, and he's never had anything. Number 30, Mr. Perfect. We knew that. We did know that, because it's the perfect number. It is the perfect number. Hulk gives an atomic drop to Rude. Ravishing One's holding Hercules for Barbarian to hit a big boot, but Hercules moves to knock down Rude. Barbarian charges after Hercules, who lifts him up over the ropes with a back body drop to be eliminated. And our final four are Hogan, Rude, Hercules, and Mr. Perfect. In your perfect world, who wins this match? Mr. Perfect or Rick Rude? 
not going to disagree with you there, sir. Rude and Perfect toss Hercules to the ropes, where Perfect hits a drop kick, and Rude hits a clothesline to send Hercules over to be eliminated. Perfect and Rude begin to work over Hulk. Perfect's holding Hogan when the Ravishing One goes for a forearm, but Hulk moves, knocking Perfect through the ropes to the apron. Ugh. Hogan tosses Rude to the ropes, where Perfect is trying to regain his balance, causing the Ravishing One to fall over the ropes to the outside to be eliminated. Hmm. It's very much a callback to Survivor Series when it happened basically the other way around in their match versus Roddy's Rowdies. Oh, okay. okay. So Rude was on the apron and he was trying to regain his balance. Pulled the and pulled the rope down as Perfect was headed towards and Perfect went flying over. Perfect and Hulk are our final two. Hogan slams Perfect's head into the turnbuckle, slingshots him back into the ring and tosses Perfect to the ropes, but ducks his head, allowing Perfect to kick him. A clothesline by Perfect, forearms across the neck, hits the Perfect Plex, but Hogan begins to Hulk up. He fucking no-sells the Perfect Plex, and I've never wanted to shoot anybody before. No-selling shots from Perfect, right hands of doom, catapults him into the turnbuckle, multiple clotheslines, Tosses Perfect over the ropes to be eliminated. Cue the Derringer, I quit. I'm so upset at this point. Because this is such a good Royal Rumble. Hulk Hogan is your Royal Rumble winner. Post-match, Hulk grabs a sign from the crowd. Begins to do his posing for what seemed like forever. There's a sign in the crowd that says Hulkamania will live forever. And all I could think when I saw it was... I couldn't be more fucking bummed. I hate it. Hate it. Tony and Jesse plug WrestleMania 6 one more time, say their goodbyes, and that's the end of our show. Uh, Hulk poses and put me down. So, there were rumors that Perfect was scheduled to win the Rumble. There are rumors. We've heard those rumors. But you know who vetoed that idea. (sighs) Yeah. And I think both of us agree... Who would it have hurt? Hogan was already champion. They made... And there was no prize for the winner. So all it would have done was give the rub to Perfect. The thing is, like, Perfect wins, and he's like, well, and now he challenges Hogan for the belt. Hogan can beat him for the belt. Exactly. And it's no big deal. Exactly. I mean, like, we're still going to bitch about it, but, but at least... It's the same thing that happened to DiBiase at the Survivor Series. Yeah, DiBiase underused. Just let DiBiase win the Survivor Series. There's no stakes. No, there's no, there's no. You put no. You put heel heat on these guys as they look like competitors for the world title. You build your scene. You have more world title competitors. It makes business better. If nobody believes that anybody else can win, then nobody watches. Nobody want I like I don't want to watch any like it's rough. It's like nobody wants nobody reads Spider Man for fucking their whole life hoping that Spider Man always wins. When Spider Man gets pushed into a corner and works himself out of it is when it's interesting. Hulk never gets pushed into a corner. Does not. The closest he got was like the Randy Savage, like Miss Elizabeth. But he wasn't even champion. 
No, he wasn't. He was going off to film a movie. Exactly. Because you know what Terry thinks about? Fucking Terry. Terry thinks about Terry. And I'm not using his fucking wrestling name for good reason. Because I'm angry. Well, let's move on to your overall thoughts, Michael Temple. Yes. Of Royal Rumble 1990. There are two good matches on this show. Two matches worth watching on this show. Yeah. Uh, there is... Greg Valentine. The Valentine-Garvin match. And Garvin match. And there is the Royal Rumble. The Royal Rumble is very well shot, and it, even though I don't like the way that it ended, it is super intelligently like put together and super well shot, and it shows, it really does show the evolution of the product for the better in a, in a, in a really good way. It's easy to it's easy to follow. Everything makes sense. There's some things that you don't like, but you know everybody likes a little bit of different stuff. But I think that there's two really good matches here, and those two matches are great. I'm right there with you on on this. I, I felt the Rumble was really fun. It was noticeably there, noticeably better. There wasn't any long instances of just nothing happening in the no. match. Well, there was always something happening. The thing is, is like there was always something happening. But they knew what thing to be on with the camera. It's like they must have like scripted this out way ahead of time, and like everybody was on their game to like make it happen. Like the camera guys, and it's like it wasn't. They weren't just like calling it as it went, and they're like, "Oh yeah, you got to go out from this guy or whatever." It was a lot more. You know, it was, it was, it was produced. Pre- yeah, it was. Pre- it was very, very produced, but. In a positive way. Exactly. No. And as much as we want the ending to be different, it's not. It's not. And we so know that. It, we knew it, that going in. It takes the rumble down just, just a smidge. But we knew that going but in. But we, yeah, we did. And I completely agree with you. The storytelling in that Valentine-Garvin match is almost spot on. Yeah, it's very good. Like, literally, if they take out, because each one of them had, like, three pinfall attempts. Yeah. If you take out if they just played two it, of those If they played it person. a different way, like I talked about earlier, it's like, I think that they could have used this to make it a little, to make it more cohesive. But it's definitely the best Ronnie Garvin match yeah. that we've ever seen. Yes, easily. And unless you want to count the dog collar match at, like, the first Starcade. And that's a taste thing. At that and point. that's a complete taste thing. This is probably the best valentine match we've ever seen yeah it was it was good it was very like i said it was very nwa it might be the most nwa match we've seen yeah i agree from the wf good Where, where's the smart marks at there. all right fuck you i think it's time we smart it up so best moments of this match or of this show i'm gonna go Ted DiBiase, 44 minutes yes. in the Rumble. DiBiase, 45 minutes. We'll give him... We'll, we'll, I'm going to front You're him. Gonna I'm, I'm going to front him those those few seconds. You're going to round up 13 seconds? Yes, I am. Like I said, Valentine, great. I really loved Jake and Warrior promos. Jake and Warrior promos were both good. Yeah. I especially like the Jake one just because of the sheer fact that... I mean, I know he has it, but I just felt like we hadn't seen that kind of promo from him before. Yeah, yeah. It was 
It was definitely uh, Big there. Boss Man Inseguri. The Big Boss Man Inseguri definitely got a pop out of me, considering that match was not a highlight, but I guess that match might be a bigger highlight than some of the other matches on the show. I mean, it's definitely better than the Beefcake Genius match yeah. and the Bushwhacker Rougeau's match. Honestly, this is going to sound really lame, but I feel like that the Royal Rumble match is f- interesting enough and quick enough and well shot and produced enough that... There's lots of good moments the whole time. I agree. Like completely. honestly, like the like Piper coming out, like you without anybody. Pop, you said that pops. Without you? yeah, without anybody knowing. Like I I had fucking no idea Piper was going to be in this Royal Rumble. They did not preview that like at That's all. True. He didn't get a promo. No, really. not at all. It was just it was completely out of nowhere, and I fucking loved it. And it popped the shit out of me, and I was like, this is great. And he did a really good job in the ring, and he had that really great moment with, uh, who was it, where they both turned around, and they're like, we're not going to hit each other. Snake. With Snake. And it was like made so much sense, because it was like, yeah, these are two guys that are like the same in principle, but they are also two distinctly different men. But like in principle, they can look at each other in the eye and be like, hey, man, I'm going to save you for later. And that's that was a really great moment. That might be one of the one of the best moments of the Rumble for yeah, me. It's I a, think it's a fun moment. Definitely. So yeah. How about most disappointing, other than Hogan winning? Yeah, that doesn't Cause, count. Cause we we know that that's disappointing. It wasn't the Rougeau match because I thought that was okay. To be honest, I love the Rougeaus. Yeah, do. we 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 love them. Mm-hmm. I felt like they kind of phoned it in on that match. They did. They did for sure. Because I think they were just. I think Raymond probably knew it was his last match, and because there there was times when like Raymond would used to do things, and there just wasn't that snap to it. No, in this yeah, match. no, there wasn't. I would say, I mean, but that's still not the worst thing here. The worst thing here is a uh, genius promo. Yeah, his poems are just yeah, yeah, nothing. And honestly, genius in ring, not nearly as bad as genius on a microphone. He was much better in the ring than, than I, expected I expected him yes. to be. Like, but he does very much the Memphis style heel, kind of mm-hmm. like what Savage did when he first showed up. Yeah, where literally anything happens, he just runs out of the ring yeah. to draw heat, and sometimes that can make a match overlong. I'm gonna go the the low point is Genius and Brutus. The haircut thing is just all I didn't care about any of it. No, no, absolutely. That's all. It's like I mean, when it comes down perfect, to it, perfect, I have to. If perfect doesn't show up that. That entire segment is null and void. Null and void. Yeah. I remember liking Brother Love, or at least I thought I did growing uh, up. Yeah. No, you like you liked him as a kid because he was funny, and now you like now you hate him because he's a prick. Is it too much for so you? So now? now the Brother Love segments, I've just rolled my eyes at. I think all of them have just taken have just gone on way too long. Yeah, well, this is like the second Brother Love segment we've and, seen. And I haven't enjoyed either one of them, really. Yeah. I, mean, I like it in theory. I like this one a little better, but they are too a little too long. I think this one is better than the last one. I think I've just decided that I like stuff to be... if I don't want stuff to get boring. I mean, obviously, yeah. no one wants anything to get boring. Yeah, obviously. But once it gets boring, then I'm just like, okay, yeah. let's, let's get going. Like, yeah. let's do something else. I think that one was less boring than it was just like... Like shitty mean. It was super shitty mean. It was shitty mean, and it's like, yo, I get it. Like it's heel heat, but it's not even like it's too easy. You know what I mean? It was like too easy heat. It's super cheap. Yeah. 
How about best performer of the night? DiBiase I'm, for going the 44 minutes? Yeah, yeah, I'll put DiBiase up there, but I'm kind of I mean, really, I'm really feeling Warrior on this show. Warrior's really good. I'm kind of, like, I never thought I would feel Warrior like I am currently, but I'm feeling Shawn Warrior. Shawn Michaels for his 12 seconds? No, no, no that no. doesn't count. Marty Jannetty is above Shawn Michaels on this show. <laughs> How about most surprising? Anything surprising? I mean, you, missed, no, you said yeah, Piper. No, I'm going to say Piper. Piper That's going to be my surprising thing, thing for yeah. you. I was like, I wasn't surprised that Hulk won, but I was angry about it. I liked the uh, the callback to the Survivor Series. I mean, yeah. some, some people probably yeah. aren't going to know. I mean, back then you probably wouldn't have known any different because it was months apart. Yeah, but yeah. Like, but it was for, smart. It was for us. Yeah. It's just like literally a couple weeks apart since we watched the other show. Mm-hmm. So like, I really was like, as soon as I saw it, I was like, wait, I swear that the same thing happened. And, and I like, yeah. like went back and checked my notes to make sure. And I was like, oh, oh yeah, I was right. Yeah, I was yeah, like, yeah, yes, exactly, I do yeah. remember that. And I was like, that was a cool little callback to for the smart fans. Yeah, yeah. And like, you see that a lot. A you, lot. You see in, it more now, but like, oh yeah, you see it a lot now. I mean, as we talked about in, when we talked Flair Steamboat, like earlier this year, they built on each match that there was little things that they they would. They would incorporate mm-hmm. from the you know first match into the second match and the second match into the third match that just helped build the match. Even but the more. thing is, they always pulled it off, and the WWF is always like, "Oh well, you know, shit changes." That's always the excuse after the fact. Is that like shit changes? It's like, well, it does, but like you also kind of let it in a weird way. Yeah, I don't know. They always have like, yeah. This was this was a good show, pretty good show overall. The Royal, the Rumble was so good that it kind of makes up for the other shit. It does, and I mean, since there was at least one good singles match on there, I'll give it a thumbs up. And that one singles match was impressive, considering what I expected. I yeah, going into it was definitely not looking so so that they had a a good match is a surprising thing for me because I was not expecting it at all. And now for a look back even further into the history of wrestling. The Dusty Finish. Luthez had defeated Nature Boy Buddy Rogers for the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. But the safeguards put into place had backfired, creating an opportunity in the Northeast region. Tootsmont and Vincent J. McMahon's Capital Wrestling Corporation ran New York City. And with that success came power. They controlled the booking for most of the NWA's territories. Capital would withdraw from the NWA and become the Worldwide Wrestling Federation That's on January 24th, three 1963. The WWWF would name Buddy Rogers the inaugural champion just a few months later, reasoning that since Thez hadn't won the title in a two out of three falls match, Rogers had never lost it. But his reign was not long as a new challenger would soon arrive. Bum, bum, bum. So back then... You could only, it was only like legit title if you won in a two of three falls match. Classic NWA rules was, was like championship act, matches yeah. were two out of three falls matches. And they did do single fall matches sometimes because obviously. This was a long time ago. I mean, it's back in the 60s. But everything. we do see, you know, his buddy Rose we see later. Not Rogers. The man in the recent, or the 90s, or late 80s. 
early 90s NWA shows where we make jokes about him. Buddy Landell. Is that Buddy Landell? Or are you talking about... The full, the fl- flappier Ric the, Flair? The flower... The flower... You're ta- yeah, you're talking about Buddy Landell. Oh, uh, okay, Buddy Landell. All yeah. right. Next week, main event number three. It's not a pay-per-view, but we've decided that you should view. You should view, yes. yes. Um, only two it's, matches. It's a, the, the Friday Night Live shoot, uh, offshoot from Saturday Night Main Event. Yeah, so yeah, it's the Main Event for Live. It, if you're looking for it on the network, it's under Saturday Night Main Event. You just have to kind of... Main Event 3, 1990. Yeah, you just kind of have to look for it in the 90s. It's around February 23rd. It honestly is a pretty big deal. My uh, roommate, I was watching the show, and he was like, oh, I remember watching this because when he was a kid, he was a huge Tyson fan. And that will be my tease for this episode uh, because that all ties it all together. all does play in mm-hmm. there. So the music from this week's show is the theme song from Royal Rumble 90. What does that sound like? Like the song you heard okay, at the beginning cool. of the episode. Okay, thank you. And Real American by Rick Derringer as Hogan won the, the Royal Rumble. I think we should do like an acapella version of it. Um, no, no, not right now. <laughs> I was going to say for later, uh-oh. but okay. But you're hearing that right now. You can rate and review us on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you find your podcasts. You can always email us at WrestlingHistoryX at gmail.com or find us on Twitter at WrestlingHistoryX. And as always, Wrestling H-I-S-T-O-X. Fight for what's right. We'll see you next week.